0: Hello, everybody. My name is Chase Cotton. I'm the community director here at the Willow Center. Welcome to season four of the Willow Center podcast. It's hard to believe they're already on season
1: four. with Four know.
0: years of this. Wow. This is my colleague, Mason. Introduce yourself. Why don't you?
1: Hey, I'm Mason. I'm the analytics and engagement specialist here at the Willow Center and the co-host of the Willow Center podcast. We're really excited to kick off this season for y'all. Um, in in fact,
0: we're, we're most excited about being able to share this in a new medium uh, here on YouTube for uh, anybody who likes to see faces that are talking at you and not just a pure podcast. We're now on audio podcast only and on, on YouTube for visual podcasters as well. So we're excited to add that video component for all of the listeners and viewers. So I wanted to spend just a second introducing season four's themes. Um, so Each month, the Willow Center as a whole has sort of a community relations theme, and it influences sort of what we talk about as a team internally, Mm -hmm. as well as what we talk about externally on our social media channels and website, etc. We decided this year we wanted the podcast to reflect those themes as well, make them all sort of cohesive and connected. So -hmm. I wanted to walk you through what to expect for season four. So this episode, we're going to be talking about the theme of expectations. Next month in February, we'll be talking about setting boundaries In March, we'll be talking about brain science, a particularly important one when it comes to mental health and recovery. Heck yeah. In April, we'll be talking about honesty. Mm. Every May, we celebrate Mental Health Month. Mm. In June, we're going to be discussing integrity. In July, humility. In August, impulsivity. In September, every September, we celebrate Recovery Month. That's like a big holiday around the Willis Center. In October, we'll talk about service. In November, we'll talk about respect. And in December, we'll talk about planning
1: ahead. So that's the roadmap. How do you yeah. feel about that? I love it. And so I just had one question. So you said um, these are the community relations themes for the Willow Center. So we obviously will talk about them here. What other content can people expect other than just us talking about it on the on the podcast?
0: Great question. So you'll hear it here first and foremost, um, and, or you'll see it here if you're a new viewer on YouTube. Uh, but you'll also see um, uh, content like blogs and articles. So we, we have articles that go up on our website on the blog page related mm-hmm. to these monthly themes. We have uh, a, a biweekly article in the Republican newspaper, which is a local Hendricks County newspaper um, related to these themes, as well as uh, just sort of general social media posts that you might, you might come into contact with if you follow us on Facebook or Instagram, which we highly recommend.
1: Awesome. Thank you.
0: All right, so why don't we dive in? This is episode one of season four. We're talking about expectations this month in January 2024. I wanted to kind of just give you some context as to why we decided to choose this topic to start out the year and kick off season four. So expectations play a pretty pivotal role in our relationships and in our experience of day-to-day life, Mm -hmm. Um, even though we're not always conscious of them. That's the thing, right? basically like every part of our lives is, is measured to some degree, right? From the time you're a little kid, you know, you got to uh, meet your developmental milestones. Yeah. Right. And then once you get into pre-K and kindergarten and first and second grade, you start having reading tests mm-hmm. you got to pass. And then you keep growing and you join extracurricular teams and you got to have, uh, you know, different skills exams for those that you got to meet to make whatever position or if you're a musician mm. to make whatever chair in the band yeah. or the choir or whatever. Uh, as an adult, it's the same, right? We are continuously measured by our credit scores and our income levels mm. and our datability on our dating profiles. <laughs> and yeah. there's all of these things that add expectations to our lives. Maybe the, the most simple idea is we all grew up with our parents or caregivers' expectations that we were trying to meet. Mm-hmm. I mean, many of us still carry the repercussions of that with us, right? So sure. we're all measured. We all have these expectations that have been held over our our heads and our lives for the majority of our lives and continue to be held there. Mm. But we also hold expectations for ourselves and over each other. Mm. Right? And those expectations um, aren't always realistic. Yeah. And they're not frequently spoken or verbalized. Mm. So our... uh, uh, one of our favorite researchers and authors and speakers on this topic is Brene Brown. Yeah. Uh, we, we stand Brene. <laughs> Brene <laughs> is real. great. Um, she researches shame and vulnerability a lot, sort of like the, the primary foundation of her research. But um, Mason and I have been working through the book, uh, one of her newest books, Atlas of the Heart. Yeah. Why don't you give us a brief synopsis of that book, and then I'll share a quote that kind of has to do with this topic. For sure. So,
1: yeah, Atlas of the Heart is a beautiful, does a beautiful exploration of the various emotions as well as the common experiences of just human existence. And so she does a research breakdown of what are the emotions that researchers have measured? What are the experiences that she has continued to see pop up in research Mm -hmm. and then really does a great job of breaking them down in a vulnerable way because she does it with her own life experience so right. much of the time.
0: Yeah, that's a great synopsis.
1: Highly recommend that book. Yeah. We're about what, maybe two thirds of the way through it. We're right close. Now. We're getting close to being
0: done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's one chapter in particular that uh, is um, very, very thorough in its exploration of expectations. Mm. And uh, there's a couple of quotes I wanted to share with you from that from Brené Brown. She says in this chapter, disappointment is unmet expectations. The more significant the expectations, the more significant the disappointment. And then she goes on to say, sort of in that context, expectations are resentments waiting to happen. Mm. I was really moved by that. Um, and that's sort of what provoked me to um, think about this as a, a, a theme as it relates to mental health and recovery because there are a lot of disappointments. There are a lot of uh, causations of, of resentment in our relationships when mm-hmm. it comes to experiencing uh, Whether it's addiction or like a mental health struggle, like depression or anxiety, both for the person experiencing it as well as for like the family and friends of the person who's experiencing it. And I think the source of some of that uh, conflict really is unmet and unspoken expectations, Mm. which uh, Brene calls stealth expectations throughout that book. So, in the context of like stealth expectations, Mason, Mm. why don't you give us some examples of? Um, how they have shown up in your own life? Like, what if, what if you had to learn the hard way yeah. about when it comes to stealth
1: expectations? Just like some everyday examples. For sure. That's a great question. And so I think back to when my wife and I went, we went on our honeymoon. Uh-huh. And so we go and we were in a really um, mountainous part of North Carolina. And so we get this really nice Airbnb. And we both actually expected that we were going to go hiking and see the nature and just appreciate the beauty around us. The Instagram perfect honeymoon. Exactly. And what happened though is once we got there we took our six hour drive, we get there and we were so worn out from having a wedding (laughs) that we ended up just eating all the good local food and and just relaxing and so we did have these stealth expectations. Oh, we're going to do all these things. And we just didn't really meet our own expectations. And we were a little disappointed We um, following that, you know? Right. Um, and I just thought it was interesting. We were like, oh, we should have done more. But it was like, that's not what we needed at that time. And so we both kind of look back on that and laugh now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good example. What about you? Did, did you have any stealth expectations that you feel like have popped up in your life? For sure. Uh, so I'm I'm a dad um,
0: to a, a adorable three-year-old little girl who is also a bit of a firecracker, which I say as a compliment, not as a knock. Um, and I I think being in particular still a relatively new dad, as my first and and only kid, um, I I carried a lot of ex- stealth expectations mm. into the concept of fatherhood and yeah. parenting. Um, some of those, maybe even most of those. Are purely developmental, mm. where it's like, you know, a, a year and a half ago when she was a year and a half or two years old, uh, she didn't necessarily have the communication skills she has now. For sure. She definitely didn't have like the emotional regulation skills she has now. Mm. And there were moments that I remember being so frustrated where she's just like, she's angry. You now she's pissed yeah. off and she's like trying to communicate why she's mad. Either mm. she's hungry or tired or stressed out for some reason, yeah. and she can't tell us why and mm, i remember yeah. in you know of course there's compassion there but i remember getting so worked up myself like i just want to help i yeah. just want to help And my expectation my stealth expectation was that she would just be able to like somehow let me know or even less realistically so i would just intuit what she needs right <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. you know it would just come to me naturally Like, oh she's clearly this and i just right. know this because i'm her dad right and that wasn't the case then and it continues to not be the case now even though she has more words for sure um you know now she can say i'm mad at you daddy because you made me turn the tv off or whatever (laughs) um but there are still moments where it's like i'm still trying to figure out what the best way or most compassionate way to respond is and it's in conflict of whatever expectation i held about that situation playing out could be um whereas if she knew what expectations i was holding um you know, maybe she would respond differently or maybe
1: she wouldn't it would just be helpful yeah. if i let go of some of those expectations right. you know and i i will say i relate so much to your daughter there are so many times <laughs> when i am just like man i have so many emotions and feelings yeah. and it's probably because of the stealth expectations i'm holding and i'm like oh man and people are like what's wrong and i'm like well let me let me think actually <laughs> right <laughs> i'm just mad yeah yeah <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> oh.
0: So based on uh, you know one of the pieces of your position, you get to work with those who are in long-term recovery a lot. A lot yeah. of clients who are early on in their recovery journey, um, orienting sure. them to the substance use uh, therapy program and counseling program that they might be assigned to. And I'm sure that you have witnessed uh, some stealth expectations in real time Very that sure. they're carrying into some of those programs and just the experience of early sobriety and recovery. What are some of those that you've witnessed, those common expectations in that phase
1: of their journey? That is such a good question. One expectation I see so often for people early on in sobriety, and when I say early on, that this can be up to a year or two into right. it. I would say one of the most common ones is I'm not where I should be um, career wise. Hmm. Interesting. I feel like I should be so much further along. I feel like I should be in management and it really gets to so many people and, and then they're unwilling to take a position and, and it is so hard for me. I I'll be honest. It's so hard for me to look at somebody who is, 35 40 45 and be like you have you need to take this job at mcdonald's that's really that's a hard thing to say sure but what they don't see is once you have that first job even if it's not what you the job that you want or the job that you expect to have at that age or in this lifespan it's like that leads to a recommendation or leads to management or like there you can build a story here that's not um just like i'm working at mcdonald's there can be so much more to it and so i definitely see that uh expectation coming up so it's like it's like every
0: every stone is worth stepping on yes
1: even though it might not be the stone like the color of stone
0: you thought it might be or the Mm -hmm. shape of stone you thought it might be based on what you're experiencing addiction Mm
1: -hmm. recovery wise well and like for so many um restaurants or grocery stores or so many places what, what people don't realize is if you work up at a regular uh, fast food establishment or grocery store, you can actually do really well for yourself. Yeah. But so many people aren't willing to take that step because it's – there's – expectations around where they should be and and it sounds um, like a sort of stigmatized yes i would completely say it is stigmatized yeah definitely
0: what about when it comes to like the bodily experience of early sobriety and recovery are there any Mm. stealth expectations you've witnessed some clients carrying
1: what what i hear so often is uh, so so I I see people who are about six months in. That's normally when I get to meet people six months into their sobriety, and so many people claim to not have any triggers or cravings at that point. Oh, I don't experience those anymore. I don't have them anymore, and that's just not true, right? When yeah. when stress happens, when things aren't going well it's normal to have a trigger. It's normal for cravings to come, right? Sure. Like it's part of the experience, but then they feel like, oh, I've made it so far that, that that's not a part of it anymore. I expect this to be, a, ha, have left me by now. Mm. Um, and then it, t- it sometimes it takes a little bit for them to fully accept like, this is just a part of sobriety. And recovery, and I'm just I'm continuing to learn how to manage it, and that's when you see people get into long term. Right. It's I feel what, like that it
0: could be so jarring if if that's the expectation you're carrying and you don't know what you're carrying it, or maybe you do, maybe you verbalize it. It's just not realistic. Right. Like, oh, I'm fine now. Mm. I've fixed this. I'm cured. Yeah. Right. And then some kind of crap hits some kind of fan and you're just hit like a Mack truck with a craving out of nowhere or a visual trigger out of nowhere <laughs> and you wanna use or drink or whatever. Like I feel like it'd be even more crushing yeah. if you thought that that was no longer part of your
1: life. For sure. And it, well, I, I um, recently ran an education course here and somebody gave an example, which I loved. They said, you know, if you um, do not wanna eat fast food, then you should stop driving on roads where those restaurants are. Oh wow! And so they and and so what they were getting at is if you just even if it's out of your way, you know, get on a road where you're not gonna be, around, you know, there's there's not gonna be those triggers, there's not gonna be that those fast food restaurants on that road.
0: Yeah, there's power in planning ahead.
1: Yeah, and so many people when they plan ahead, they expect. Their plan includes these expectations and they don't know it. They're like, oh, I'll be able to walk down that liquor aisle or go in that neighborhood that, you know, my my dealer used to live in. Right. And it's like, ah, uh, you know, like sometimes you just shouldn't even get on the road. Yeah, yeah, that's good advice. What, what are some, so speaking of sobriety and recovery, one big piece in that is obviously mental health, right? right. And they yeah. go hand in hand. So Chase, I know you work with, uh, you You educate the public on mental health, and I know you might have some lived experience. Yeah. So what are some common expectations for those who are struggling with depression and anxiety? Um, yeah, what are, what are some common expectations that they might have?
0: Yeah, good question. Um, I'll share one that I've witnessed and one from experience. Yeah. Okay, so uh, <laughs> something I, I, I like to say, especially when I'm presenting, just to try and break the ice and build rapport a little bit, is that I, I dabble with depression you know, familiar with it. It it comes to dinner every once in a while. Uh, And, um, for me, one, one of the biggest expectations was that, um, especially like my, after my first experience of therapy, uh, was that I, I like might not need it again after that. Mm. Um, similar to like, Oh, the cravings are gone or whatever. It's like, I thought, okay, now I've got the strategies I need to manage these feelings. Now, now I know how to take care of myself to prevent from getting this low, Mm. uh, and the fact of the matter was, uh, one, I'm not that responsible. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, i be real honest here. But, but, but two, um, I, I am admittedly human, and I need reminders. And mm. things happen that are going to bum me out. Yeah. Right? You know, I'm going to make that mistake at work sometimes. Or I'm going to get in that fight with my partner. And those things get, get me really low. Um, and it's, it's okay to go back to therapy. For right sure. so like the second and third time like there are moments early on where i was like resistant to making the phone call yeah right to like getting the recommendation going to find another therapist or whatever um because i was carrying some shame around that that mm-hmm. expectation that i should have this i should have this under control for sure Right. i've been here and done that i know the strategies i should be okay uh, and that's just something i've had to work through uh, from sure. personal experience something i've witnessed more on like the anxiety side if
1: If i may oh, sure. real quick yeah like with the, uh, thank you for sharing the, the depression piece, and I think that's, I want to just say, I think that's so true for so many people. It's like, oh, I think I have this, but what I always think and what I always tell people, especially uh, when, it, so we have an orientation process here, so people come for this orientation, right? and for some people, this is their third, fourth, fifth time, mm-hmm. you know, doing a program like this, yeah, or starting with, uh, like, starting back in therapy, right? And so... But what I always love to tell people is what this is all about. For some people, it's about learning new information. And if that's you, that's awesome. You know, this is a great opportunity to learn this information. But for some people, we're just going to remind you about what you really value and what really matters to you. Right. Because life gets so busy so fast. It does. And so it's just nice. And for some people... You know, they have that grounding experience, you know, Mm -hmm. in their gym or in their, um, you know, religious building or whatever it happens to be. Right. And then, um, but, you know, sometimes if you are just out of everything, it's like, I'm not grounded for a week and I just kind of, I'm all I'm thinking about is work or all I'm thinking about is this or that. And it's like, You get out of practice. You just get out of practice. Yeah. It's true. Definitely. You were mentioning anxiety, though. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate that
0: uh, aside. So, something I've witnessed as far as stealth expectations with anxiety is, um, you know, individuals who are experiencing it expect um, the severity of it to more or less just go away with a pill. Mm. um, Because even, I mean, even with depression too, but especially with anxiety, there are a lot of different prescriptions available to help with like your baseline. Yeah. Right now. Don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking medication and medication assisted treatment. It is a vital tool, especially when it comes to just like balancing the chemicals out. Some of for that sure. you're just like genetically predisposed for, and it's not even your fault, you know, mm-hmm. it's just your brain. Um, and so it's an important tool. Uh, however, the people in my life that that have benefited from that sometimes early on you know when they're three four weeks and taking that medication think that that's all that needed to change yeah right when in reality there's like behavioral components to anxiety Mm -hmm. in the same way that there is depression right like it can't just be medication like it's not it's not an antibiotic Mm -hmm. right that might help your baseline right but at the end of the day you might still have a panic attack and you got to figure out ways to work through that panic attack in a way that's healthy and doesn't make you feel like you're going to die in that moment. Yeah. Right. And that's when like counseling and therapy and, uh, you know, mindfulness practices and all that good stuff come into play. It's gotta be like a both and, Yeah. but I feel like that can be disappointing for someone who might've been expecting an easier route. Yeah. Um, not that the experience of anxiety and depression is easy at all, but right. It, you know, when you have a pill, it's hard not to want it to be magical. Right. You know? And I think that's just part of American culture, but that's uh, yeah, one of the things I've witnessed.
1: I definitely agree with that. I see that. I think it's it's honestly a common belief that once I because it's just like every other medication, like you were saying. You know, you take um, probiotics to you know help your gut health. You think that you're gonna take an anxiety pill and it's gonna cure anxiety. Right. And, and there's so much more that goes in to mental health, and it's um, I think that's the exciting part about therapy. Is like you know. For, for for a lot of people, you get to come into therapy, and then maybe you get to stop taking medication. You know, yeah. l- later on. Not it doesn't happen for everybody, yeah, but you, I've heard you it you a lot. You might get to that point for yeah, sure. Some people do, which is cool. So
0: let's get practical then, uh, for the listeners and the viewers on YouTube. Um, wh- what is some advice that you would offer an individual who's experiencing this this message right now and is aware they're aware okay Mm. i've i've probably got some expectations that i've not verbalized to my partner or my colleague at work or over myself Um, or maybe they're finally realizing that they've been trying to live up to someone's expectations or society's expectations or the pinterest mommy bloggers expectations or whatever it is and that's been harmful for them somebody who's realized they're aware of that what do they do next
1: what Mm. advice would you offer them that's a good question i think that um, a big piece is even understanding them to begin with so this is the first step i Uh. would say recognizing oh man i have some of these and accepting that once you know this they're gonna keep popping up in your head right they're gonna keep coming and you're gonna be like wait a minute I didn't know I expected you to do this. I never told you to do the dishes, but and I always got mad when you didn't do them. But I just didn't know that I like that got to me. You know, right, like you right. don't even you don't really connect those dots in your head sometimes. Sure. So I think this is a huge first step. It's just starting that mindfulness practice. Just being aware. Yeah. You're observing yeah. the thoughts as they occur. Mm-hmm. Because then it's not a resentment that's going to build. It can be as simple as, "Oh, can you throw that in the dishwasher for me?" you know for some people that that can be just a a start yeah um and i know that there's a few more but i'm curious if you have any
0: i think a good step two would be to move from awareness to um observation what i mean by that is like take those thoughts those expectations that you've been carrying around stealthily or that you've been trying to live up to stealthily and write them down Mm. um even if you're not like an avid journaler um if you just get a scrap piece of paper and a pen and just jot down, like, let me give you a few examples, like, I feel bad every time I see this type of post come on my social media feed mm. about disciplining my kid in the right way or I feel bad um, every time I'm having a conversation with this one particular friend that, you know, maybe, maybe it's like uh, they have more time than I do to enjoy this or that activity and I'm jealous of that and I have this expectation that I should be enjoying it as much as they have or have that time but i just can't for whatever reason right like write those things down and observe them because Mm -hmm. being aware of them up here is like it's good like you're acknowledging that they exist but when you write them down they start to lose their power over you yeah right like you write them down you can start to see how how unrealistic some of them are Mm -hmm. you can also see how how harmful some of them are you know i think in particular when it comes to some of these societal expectations that we participate in unknowingly there's some some really heavy identity-based yeah. expectations that uh, are just insidious, you know, mm-hmm. like they just cause a lot of self-doubt and a lot of interpersonal comparison mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily help anybody uh, feel healthier about uh, living their life. So I think that's a good yeah. step too. What would you What would you finish with?
1: And if I had to take a step three, I think it kind of diverges into two parts here. So I think resentment and shame kind of can. Um, at make their their way in sometimes, and if yeah. it's the the enemy of shame is conversation, mm. and so let's say
0: that one more time. The that's en- powerful.
1: The enemy of shame is conversation. I like that. You you talk about it with the people around you, and you know maybe it's not the person that you were holding the expectation over. Maybe it's somebody else, but at least getting it out into the open. So I resentment and shame. If it if that's where you tend towards, that's a good way to go, or if it is maybe more anger or maybe more irritation with yourself or with others, one practice which I really love is, is obviously gratitude. And there's gratitude journaling. You can uh, you can write, which I think is huge. But one that I really like is gratitude envisioning. Ooh. I just heard of this, okay? Okay, hit me. So gratitude envisioning, you take a second, you shut your eyes, and you think of a, a genuine moment you were grateful for. So, for instance... Um, we were watching my mother-in-law's dog over the weekend and he was getting along with our dog and they were playing. And so literally this morning I'm sitting at my desk, I shut my eyes for just a second. And I was just like, I'm so grateful that this weekend went this weekend went well with our dogs you mm-hmm. know like and i felt i i felt that moment when i saw them playing and it was like it, it brought me joy and right. i was also just grateful it was going well you know yeah. and so it's a little bit st- of a step further because you really feel that gratitude as opposed to just being like i'm i'm grateful that this happened you know like i'm sometime, glad to be alive yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. sometimes it doesn't that doesn't feel as uh, as meaty <laughs> you know yeah no i like <laughs> so, that
0: gratitude envisioning it's a great yeah. step and you know what? Maybe our listeners or our viewers have some advice on this front. If you want to tell us about uh, maybe an expectation that you just became aware of as a result of listening to this or some advice that you have for how to let go of some of those expectations that are, are uh, causing harm in your life, let us know. Uh, put a comment on the YouTube video or you can send us a message on any of the podcast streaming apps that you have. We would love to learn about your story and uh, and share that uh, with the, the greater Willow Center community. Mm-hmm. I think that about wraps it up, right? Uh, that that feels like a good stopping point to me. Awesome. If you or someone you know needs support, if you're working through... Uh shame, resentment, anger, fear, mental Mm. health struggles like depression, anxiety, or addiction or substance use, please know that the Willow Center is here for you. Mm. We are literally sitting in the gathering room of the Willow Center so you can come and sit next to the fireplace, have a cup of coffee with us, and uh, we would love to get you plugged in uh, with a a counselor and someone who can really help you take the next healthiest step forward. You can give us a call or uh, uh, talk to us on the website. Um, Next month, in the month of February 2024, we're going to be talking about the topic of setting boundaries. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot of Um, sort of focused attention on relationships in February because of the holiday of Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. And so we thought this would be a great opportunity to check our boundaries, see which ones might need to be set, and really get practical about how you do that without necessarily burning bridges.
1: Yeah, definitely. Because boundaries a lot of times are fences, not necessarily. And sometimes you got to put those up. And so it's going to be a good conversation. I'm excited to talk about it.
0: Join us next month. Thank you so much for listening and take care of yourselves.